you're listening to the Embrace Simplified podcast, where you will be inspired to unlock simpler, healthier ways to live your life. I'm a corporate ladder climber turned entrepreneur on a mission to help busy women feel their best. I'm bringing you real conversation with all my favorites, and we're talking wellness, relationships, money, business, career, and even parenting. I want you to laugh and cry, learn and grow right alongside me. I'm your host, Kirsty. Let's keep it real. Pour your coffee and turn it up. Together, we are going to simplify our life. Guys, in April, my new book, Whisper, it's Amazon. I would absolutely love your support. If you can purchase a copy or share my post when I announce it, or I don't know, send me an emoji, heart emoji to show your love and encouragement, even just to think about gifting this book. It is a beautiful collection of 16 women's stories of moments in their life that they listened to their intuition and the critical times that showed them they could trust themselves and go their own way and create a life they love. It is a real behind the scenes look at some of the things that we don't usually talk about. And I think for that reason, women are going to feel seen in the pages of Whisper. It is a beautiful read. It is a beautiful Mother's Day gift. And somebody will take something away from this, even if their story is not exactly like the authors in this book. We touch on things like grief and loss, heartbreak, mental health. Oh my goodness, everything from relocating to doing the thing your parents never wanted you to do. It's all in the pages of Whisper. Again, it is launching mid-April. I will have all the details on my Instagram at Kirsty Stubbs. And I truly appreciate your support. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. Today's conversation is really cool. This is officially the first male guest I have had on the podcast. I'm sitting down to chat with Clifton D. Corbin. His new book, Your Kids, Their Money, gives us the tools to teach our children about one area that parents never really talk about, and that's money. And when I was introduced to Clifton online and heard that he had this new guide for parents to raising financially literate children, I was in. I was so in. I love this conversation because he shares so openly about his own struggles and learnings with things to do with money and why and his purpose for making this book is really great. And I am so there for this topic. So yeah, he's a beautiful community online and he's all about just a bright financial future for our children and supporting parents through that. I did ask him if this book is as much for the adults as it is for the kids. And he says, yes, it is. So if you are feeling like getting more organized and maybe transparent and clear and intentional with your finances is something you want to do this year, I really encourage you to listen and also to go buy a copy of Clifton's new book. I have included the Amazon link for you to order in the show notes. And he also has a blog with other great resources. So be sure to check out cliftoncorbin.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can tag Clifton or I and let us know what your takeaways are and where you're listening from. Thank you. So welcome to the podcast, Clifton. Thank you so much for being here. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to speak with you. So when I saw, I think it was somebody like on Instagram shared this book and I was like, oh, the title just like immediately jumped at me. And I was like, oh, this, I need to read this book. Like this is going to be good. And then when I started to get so many requests for more content around parenting, I knew immediately I have to reach out to Clifton. He needs to like, he needs to help me here. I'm so so excited. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I want you to tell everybody about your book, but also what like, what got you to this place of writing the book? Oh, sure. So the book, it, it it's a long time coming. So for those who don't know me, when I was growing up, I was a big time money geek. Like I couldn't learn enough about this stuff. I was constantly, you know, trying to get more money and I had bank accounts and I was always grilling my parents with questions. And I, I like, I love money. And I still do. But the interesting thing was once I went off to university and I was on my own, I made a total mess of my finances. It's unfortunately, it's an all too common story for a lot of people. So. Once I got myself back on the solid ground and I, you know, I started to look a little bit deeper into finances and personal finances and not just about business, but how do we manage our money? I realized that I needed to write something. I needed to support parents so that their children hopefully can avoid some of the mistakes I made as a young adult. And I realized also, especially considering how eager I was to acquire knowledge when I was a child, like it's, it's possible to teach children these concepts. It's possible to get, you know, financial literacy into a young, a young child. And it's also best to get it into a young child because you could do it in a safe way. There's ways to teach them so that they're learning and they won't have the financial repercussions if they make a mistake. So that was the reason why I wrote this book. It's because I, I felt like I could have been served very well if my parents had a book similar to this when I was younger. Yeah. I cannot get over how. There's a couple of different things that now as an adult, I realize through just osmosis, I took on from my parents. There's probably some like some like emotional eating stuff that I talk about sometimes on the podcast definitely plays in and money and this mindset. I would say probably if I was like a lack mindset or that there's not enough to go around in some way or that it takes like you only have it if you work extremely hard mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but not in like a positive not necessarily a positive like work hard kind of a but more of a like this is this is a hard thing in life kind of mentality is that common so what i talk about i talk about it in my book and i just talk about it in general is that we we inherit our money values and our money and our money thoughts and our what i like to call sometimes our money stories from the way we grew up and from what our parents told us and what you know we experienced so i had like i said a pretty traumatic young adulthood with regards to debt. And one of the things I didn't want to pass on to my children is, you know, the anxiety and shame and guilt I felt during that period. And I feel like a lot of people, especially once they reach adulthood, they've got a very firm money story in their head, whether it be yours, where it's, you know, maybe a lack of, or, you know, this feeling of you need to work really, really, really hard. And only if you work, you know, debt out, will you be able to support yourself? And it's only if we could stop and kind of reflect and think about, you know, what is our money story? What are we telling ourselves? What are we thinking about when we think about money? Will we, will we be able to, you know, really come to terms with, okay, is this a healthy attitude? Is this, is this even accurate? Is this true? And then hopefully by doing that, we can then pass on some better attitudes and better skills and support for our children. So this is part of it. It's all part of it. One of the things I talk about overeating or, you know, guilty eating or comfort eating in my book as well. I know it's part of me. And I also know that 
that is something that I need to deal with. It's something I need to come to terms with. And by recognizing it, hopefully I can, you know, get better at it. And it's the same with our spending. You know, if, if you do a little bit of, you know, retail therapy, it's not necessarily bad, but if you don't realize you're doing it and you do too much of it, then it can be a bad thing. And it's in recognizing these patterns and these, these attitudes that, you know, drive our actions, hopefully can, if again, if we can come to terms with it, if we could recognize it, we can change it and we can make better decisions because that's that's just what we do, right? We act based on how we feel, and it it's no different with our money. Yeah, my gosh, I'm thinking as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about like the visual that I have in my mind that goes with my story. Like once a month, my mom had like the old school calculator with like the roll of paper, mm-hmm. and she would like plug in those numbers. She would be like. She would be uncomfortable. Like, I wouldn't even call it stress. It was just like, I just remember it as like. You could pick up the body language. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was like lots of paper bills, right? Like this mm-hmm. would have been the 80s. Like lots of paper bills and the calculator and, you know, mailing things away and stuff. And now I think sometimes like they don't see anything. Like everything is done through my phone. It's my true. kids don't see and they don't see anything arrive in the mail. They don't see me pay it. I'm like oh, that's actually not good either because then they don't see that there's like these tasks that an adult asks. It's true. <laughs> right? Like- it's interesting. I, I was thinking about this just recently. So I had the same same experience growing up. I remember, you know, once a month going out with my dad and he'd have these envelopes and we'd go to, you know, the electric company and we'd go to the phone company and he'd have me, like he'd park in, I'd run outside with my little envelope, find the little slot where I pay the bill, put the envelope in and come back. And I remember going through that but I thought about this recently. I don't remember ever seeing what was in the envelope. I know now it was a bill and a check, but I never saw it. And you, you make a good point. Now with everything's digital, we don't see bills. So the other day, my property bill came and I had my kids look at my bill with me. And I was like, let's look, how much do we owe for property tax? Can you read this? So I had that. And this is kind of the stuff I'm, I'm encouraging parents to do is parents are busy. We don't have any extra time to do things like extra time is just it's not a luxury a parent has. But I had to write a check to pay my property tax. So I had my kids with me. They would, you know, they just got home from school and I was like, here, can you open this, this, this envelope for me? They're excited because they don't get mail. So it's something fun for them. And like, you're right. We don't get many bills via the mail. So they opened it and they read through it as best they could. I'm like, can you figure out how much we owe? Can you figure out how, like, is this the half, like the interim bill or the full bill? How much do we owe last year? So I had, I just walked through them with, you know, just walked it through and then, you know, wrote the check put it in the envelope and then mailed it off or I think I dropped it off, but same idea. Just having them with me so that they can see it. Cause like I said, prior to moving out and being on my own, I don't think I'd ever seen a bill. I don't, and that was back in the day when we did get paper bills. So finding these opportunities to help our kids figure out what it's like to be an adult, especially with regards to managing money, I think it, it, it will serve them very well. Absolutely. Like when I think of my twenties, the anxiety of getting like a visa bill, which I had no reason to be anxious about it. It was scary to look at like those numbers and everything about it seemed so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I love that you opened that with them. That is something that I constantly think about. We, they have it so good. Like we go and the groceries are put in the back of the car. I'm like, am I going to teach them one day how to like grocery shop? <laughs> and I said that to them once and they're like, it's fine. Like we see you sometimes online ordering groceries. It's okay. And I'm like, is it? I'm not sure. So I love that you talk about that in the book, real, like tangible ways that we can be teaching them as we go through our it's life. It's true. And the grocery store is a great example. And I was, I was talking to a group of parents about this recently. Like 
it's something that a lot of us lost when, you know, the pandemic hit because pre pandemic, my kids would come to the grocery store with me regularly. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, post pandemic, I did some ordering online and, you know, the pickup at the store kind of thing. And I was like, oh, it's okay. By the time my kids are old enough to grocery shop, it's going to be like a trip to, you know, a trip to the computer and buy something on Amazon. But even though that might be the case, they're missing out on those opportunities to see the transactions that they used to see all the time. The, comparison shopping, the actual paying for things, the actual transacting and the actual interacting with, you know, shopkeepers and cashiers and all the rest. So I think especially with this pandemic, we now need to find even more opportunities to to get interact and engage our kids with these types of experiences because they've missed quite a bit. One of the best things that I bought in like the early days of the pandemic was this like Canadian currency set with Mm. like all the bills and all the and that was their, they actually associate the memories of the early pandemic with grocery, like we called it grocery shopping, but they would take everything out of the cupboards and line it up on the dining room table. They'd use post-it notes, they'd bake prices, and they, they would take turns. Like one person was the store owner and one person was the shopper. And they loved that. Like I, we actually haven't done that in probably over a year. But they loved it. Role playing is one of the, like, I, I think I, I mentioned it in my book as well. Role playing is a great way to get children again engage it's it's gameplay right so they're going to be playing anyway so you might as well and i i love it because you know we got to talk okay well does it really make sense to charge 500 dollars for a strawberry that might be a little bit of price gouging i, I don't you know you're the shopkeeper you get to set your Those own strawberries prices. are expensive right now <laughs> they are that's true this is we're in the, the time of you know supply chain ch- challenges so it might actually be accurate but it was great it was fun it's a fun chance to talk and you know that was the other thing we did all of that we did Okay, well, we got into the supply demand curve. We talk about all of that and we're doing it through gameplay. Like, does it make sense to charge this much for it? Well, if they're making, you know, five of them and there's a lot of people who want them, then yeah, maybe it makes sense to charge a little bit more. So we get to talk, you know, through the economics of it. I love role playing and grocery store, restaurants, another one that I like. It's, they're all fun, especially if you have like, like you said, you have some play cash or a cash register, it, you make your own little you know, bills. It's great. Yeah. Okay. So how old are your kids? So my daughter's seven and my son's nine. Okay. So the exact mm-hmm. same age as mine. So like tell people a little bit about the book and how you make it relevant for really like somebody who has young kids right up to teenagers. Sure. So I try to give, so I try to give really, like you said, some practical tips. And I've also tried to lay the book out so that you could read it end to end if you really want to. It, you know, I've tried to make, you know, I add a lot of my personal stories again with the intention of you know, adding some transparency so you know that, you know, we're all going through these journeys together. But I also try to keep it so that you can go to a specific section. So if your child is curious about, well, what happens if I get a credit card? Or you're curious about how do I engage my child and talk to them about insurance or taxes, something that maybe I don't know the best way to talk to a child about. I try to have it so that you can go to any specific section, kind of like a reference book. But the other thing I try to do is I try my best to give you, you know, activities for your child, regardless of their age. So if you've got young ch- young children, you can do some of those activities like we talked about, like role playing and 
picture books. So those are some of the activities you might want to do with the younger kid. But with the older kids, you know, maybe you're starting to play Monopoly. Maybe you're starting to talk to them about what happens when you have a business. How do you want to use your money when you start making your own money? I talk a lot about allowances and the best things to do and how to get started with an allowance. And then one of the things I, I really encourage is as kids get older, you're kind of transitioning away from the allowance and you're trying to get them to manage their own budget. Like I've talked a few times now about what it was like, and you mentioned it as well, what it was like when we got out on our own. It was a bit of a shock to the system. I had never managed a budget for myself. I never owed anyone money, so I didn't know what to do with my debt, which is part of the reason I had the problems I did. But if we can start giving our kids the experiences while they're home, so if you have a teenager, maybe they're managing their lunch budget or maybe they're managing a clothing budget. So instead of an allowance where they're just practicing using money, now they're actually managing part of the daily budget, their family budget for their, you know, the toiletries, their clothing, their food and managing. What do I do if I don't have enough? Do I save here? How do I? So it gives them more opportunities. I'm really trying to encourage you to give opportunities to kids, your kids to practice regardless of their age. And it's, you know, making that age appropriate. So you wouldn't want to give, you know, a five-year-old a budget for their clothes, but when they're 15, that might actually work and it will give them lots of opportunities to be prepared when they're not at home. Yeah. I know even this was the first back to school where my daughter was excited about clothes. It was very loose, but she knew that there was like a number and that we were going to go look. And it made her think twice about what she really wanted versus what was kind of like, maybe. And she had that number in her mind. She like would have flown past it if I had let her. But that's she great. Was like, she was kind of proud of the fact that she you know, she got what she was really excited about getting, but she hadn't like blown the budget. Like there was a sense of pride, I think. Pride in the other part of it. And I think parents will get the, like, this is one of the things I, I really love about this concept of like trying to be more transparent and open is if you give your child that number and they're working with you, you're, you're, you're giving them some agency. You're telling them, I trust you to know this piece of information. Like, I think a lot of adults probably are from that experience of, you know, we didn't talk about money when we were growing up or money was like a taboo subject. And I think we really need to move away from that, especially in families. So if our kids are, let's say you're going out shopping for clothing and you, you have a number in your head, tell them and be mm -hmm. like, okay, this is what we're going to be spending. This is the budget for clothes on this trip. And you work together to come to a solution. So they see something that they really, really like, but it's high on the list or high on the on the price scale. Then you find somewhere else to kind of cut back. You get maybe cheaper socks. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. But you you know, you work that's how we budget, right? We mm -hmm. we find ways to make it work within that number. You set that number, that target, that goal, and you work it with you work together. And what I think will also happen with you when you do this is you're actually you're building your relationship with them, right? You're showing you trust them and they're seeing that. And they will reciprocate. And hopefully that will build with all the other, you know, other places in your life that you're hoping to build trust and open that open relationship and those open lines of communication. So that if we could do it with money, hopefully we'll, it'll, you know, it'll reciprocate and it'll, it'll happen in other places as well. Yeah, I love that. It's interesting, too, to see at this age, so like nine and seven I always kind of remind myself to stop and ask them what they think before I jump in. So I'm like, well, I don't know. Do you think that's expensive? And it's always mm -hmm. so insightful and sometimes entertaining to see what they think is expensive. So I'll give you some context. You can kind of like, I'll be like a little case study. So my kids, they, they started this business in the pandemic that was like about connecting people and communications, basically about bringing back like handwritten note cards and they turn oh, their cute. art into these cards, right? So 
they would go to the local farmer's market. They did sell some online, but they went to the local farmer's market. And by the second market they were at, people had knew who they were and they sold out. Oh, phenomenal. And they got invited back for a third time and they sold out again. They got really excited and then they got completely overwhelmed by like seeing this like physical cash. Like, mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, we're, we're going to like put this aside. We don't want it to be like, and what I think was really interesting was I believed it was more about the lesson than it was about earning money. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you took something you made and you thought about all these like really fun parts of the business. And you sold it, it, which was also a little scary just to talk to strangers, you know, mm-hmm. with your mask on at the market. And then, and you made money. And so I was like, I put a little bit of it aside. I talked to them about how, you know what, what if you have another big idea? You want to have some money this time, right? Cause I was their first investor. So they paid me back. They paid all their, you know, expenses. Spectacular. Then what I think I did was I completely overwhelmed them and they went like nuts buying like, I think they each had about, I don't know. I think they each had about $200 and they were like, they did not save a single penny of it. (laughs) Like if I hadn't have initially taken the money and put it aside, there would be nothing left. Like they were so overwhelmed and it was, I was like, oh wow. Okay. We got to be way more strategic (laughs) next time. And, and they both, like, if you ask them today, like if you said to them, Clifton, what did you buy with the money you made this summer? They would be like, um, and, and now it's interesting because they're talking about like spring and summer and they're like, oh, I think I want a new bike. I think I want to try stand up paddle boarding all the time. I'm like, oh, man, I wish you'd like save some. saved a little bit. But they're too young. They, they didn't. It was it was exciting and over and they didn't understand. Oh, it's gone until it was gone. so like, you know, hence why I need to finish reading the book. But <laughs> tell me a little bit about like. What, you know, what are some things, like some small things I could have done differently at that moment? So I think you did everything right, to be honest. Like, those are the mistakes you're talking about, no, right? No, and that's okay. So I'm going to do a few things here. One, parents need to give each other more grace. You did nothing wrong. You helped your ch- children start a business that was successful and gave them entrepreneurship lessons. How could you find a mistake in that? You did a wonderful job. Give yourself a pat on the back and take a bow. You did nothing wrong. With Thanks. regards, <laughs> you should. No, seriously. Like, don't think you did anything wrong. You did wonderful thing. With regards to saving, you're right. We all need to do, or I shouldn't say we all need to do. We could all do probably a bit better. What I, so we're, we're recording this shortly after the Super Bowl. My son and I watched part of the game together. And during the game, I looked at him and I was like, how much, how much do you think these, these football players are making? And he knew he's like, they're, they're making a lot of money. I was like, yeah. And I was like, how many of them do you think will have a lot of money five years after they stop playing football? And, you know, he wasn't sure. Most people wouldn't be sure. I wasn't sure. It was only recently I was reading something about this. But a lot of professional athletes end up declaring bankruptcy shortly after they stop playing. It's because we do the same thing. Your children did it at, you know, seven and nine. Professional athletes do it in their 30s. We spend what we get. And then what happens is as we make more, we have what some people call lifestyle inflation. We spend more. And as we spend more, we get comfortable at that level of spending. So if something happens with our finances and we take a bit of a hit, we don't know how to cut back because we've become very comfortable. So if we're not saving consistently, we could find ourselves in a weird way, very similar to a professional athlete five years after they're done, you know, playing where we don't have anything. 
So that was the story I used with my son just a couple nights ago, or just last night, sorry, to talk about the need to save something. This is how we prevent ourselves from, you know, being paycheck to paycheck or, you know, struggling. It's building that emergency fund. It's using that money to invest. It's thinking about long term. You know, it's weird to talk to a child about retirement, but you're thinking about long term. You're thinking about, okay, you might want to go to school one day. Wouldn't it be nice to have a little bit of money saved up? I was talking to my kids the other day about, you know, if you can save up so much money, I will open up a custodial investment account for you. And whatever you make in that account is yours. It's You can't have it until you're 18. But when you're 18, you own it. I have no control over it. It is 100% yours. So can you imagine now, and I've already talked to them about the advantages of investing early and saving early. The more time you add, the more chances you have to earn more compound interest. Like we have those conversations. So it's, you know, it's their kids. So you're going to have those conversations over and over again and hope they pick up some of it. But the more we talk about it, the more they pick it up. But if I can get them to that point where we've opened up that custodial account and they start investing, then they can see, oh, wait, my money is making money and I could tie it back. So I was similar. I had a paper route when I was younger and I was really keen on saving. And I remember at one point thinking when I was, you know, in my early, early twenties before I ended up spending it all on frivolous things, this money that I'm spending is actually paper route money from when I was like, before I was even a teen. So it's those kind of conversations. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. think about what can happen here or look at what happened to these folks. So athletes are a good example just because they make a lot of money, but it works with like, I think Lady Gaga went bankrupt. Like how could someone who's making millions and touring and all of these things go bankrupt? Well, if they're not putting their money away, if they're not, you know, quote unquote, saving for a rainy day, if they're not living with less than what they're making, it can happen to all of us. It does happen to all of us. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would do. But first I would, like I said, first you need to pat yourself on the back for helping your kids start a successful business. <laughs> that's not, that's no easy feat. It was like we built a business in like 10 minute strategy conversations. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Cause they're, you know, like their attention span is only so much. So I was like, it was actually, it was fun for me because I had stepped so far out of my business because I was homeschooling and mm-hmm. doing all the things with them. That I was like, okay, like this is fun. This is, it was like a different, yeah, like I do it with people all the time. We can talk a strategy and marketing, but this was, I had to really think about like what I wanted them to take away from it. Mm-hmm. And they went through the whole process, right? Like they made a lit, they made a, a logo and they, they know, you know, the person that runs the farmer's market. They're building their network. That's the other part that I like when I say really don't don't think about what you didn't do. Think about all the things you did do. So you can't do everything with everything, right? You could do a lot of, like, for example, a lot of people are focusing on allowance for kids, right? And I say, when you're thinking about allowance for kids, focus on the practicing. Don't focus so much on the work ethic and they're earning money for doing these things. Like, I do not like tying an allowance to chores because I say, Use allowance, especially for the younger ages, use it as a means for them to practice, practice saving, practice doing the transactions, practice managing and handling money. Later, when they get those first jobs, then they can start figuring, okay, well, if I work this hard, then I make this much money. If I don't show up to work, I get fired. Like, let them figure out the earn money and the work ethic and all of that later. But when they're younger, let them figure out how do I manage this? How do I save? Because once they start working, they'll need those skills. So I really like, and you can, like, a lot of people like to tie allowances to, to earning or finishing tasks and chores. 
and that's fine, but then you'll likely miss out on other things. So if the child decides, you know what, I don't want my allowance this week, I'm not doing my chores, well, chores might still need to get done. Maybe you're not giving them the allowance. Now they're not getting a chance to practice. Then you're missing something. So I say, pick pick your battles, right? So you've taught them marketing. You've taught them economics. You've taught them how to network. You've taught them how to communicate. So they didn't do so good on savings, but they did a great job earning. They did a good job working. Mm-hmm. So there were so many wins. So focus on the wins. And then, mm-hmm. you know, on the next opportunity, focus on the thing that they didn't get. So the next yeah. time they have an opportunity to get some money in, use this as the learning opportunity. Be like, you remember when you made so much money from your job? How much of it do you have to show for it now? How much money, how much do you have now? And if we were to have saved some of it, you know, don't guilt them, but if we were to have saved some of it, what would we have now? What could you have done with that now? So it's using past opportunities to build and you're constantly building as they grow. You can build and grow with them. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about that like safe environment where they worked hard and it was gone so fast that I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, there's still something there that that hard lesson, at least they did it now and not in their twenties. But Exactly. Which is my focus. It's do it now. Do it while it's safe. Like I, I talk, I talk in my book about lending them money. Cause like I said, I didn't owe anyone anything until I was in my twenties. And then I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't pay back my credit card bills. It's ridiculous now. But at the time I was like, Ooh, free money. But if you get, if you lend, very common, it is, it really is. But if you lend children money now and you say, no, I'm, you know, I need that back, you know, make sure they have a way to pay you back, of course. But Mm -hmm. if you lend them money and then they get used to, okay, this isn't free money. This isn't mine. This is actually theirs. I just have, I have it for now. I get a chance to use it and then I have to pay it back. So it's giving them those chance to chances to practice in a safe environment while they're home, while they're with you, while you can guide them and tell them, you know what, if you don't pay back, this is what's going to happen. Here are the consequences. And if this was, you know, five, 10 years from now, these consequences compound by, you know, poor credit score, not being able to get a car, maybe not being able to buy a house. So you can give them the future scenario. And you can, but you can bring it down to something simple, something that they can understand, something tangible and make it relatable. And then again, you're just using, and you're using everyday teachable moments, right? Like if you're at a store and your child wants to borrow $5, yeah, this is a moment to talk about debt and credit card and credit scores and all the rest. I would never encourage you to like sit your kids down on a couch and start lecturing to them about these things. But if they ask you for a loan, they just open the door for you to talk to them about, you know, debt and borrowing. So this is great. Yeah. At their level. That makes exactly. sense. So, so, it's so interesting. Cause I think one of the things that I'm noticing, like if I, I'm trying to be like reflective in that, I think there's like this, the word expensive, like if I don't buy mm-hmm. it, it must be expensive that I mm-hmm. think I need to like just tweak what I'm doing or the conversations I'm having. The other day at the park, my daughter said, Oh, look at that. They're wearing that toque. That toque's really expensive. And I was like, well, it's not really an expensive toque. Mm-hmm. I don't really want her to have that mindset of like expensive, except, you know, when we were at the pizza place, I didn't feel like buying everybody toques. I was like, no, we're not going to buy toques at the pizza place. In her mind, if I'm not buying it, it's expensive. It's expensive. It's interesting. I talk, I talk about, you know, being very intentional with our language, which is like what I think you're hitting on there. It's like making sure that our kids understand 
what we're trying to say using the right words. So I, I think I have an, I have, I have an entire section of my book where I talk about, you know, not saying we can't afford it. Like if, if you truly can't afford something, then you can say we can't afford it. But if you're saying we can't afford it to kind of get out of the obligation of buying it, then you're sending a false message. You're not really communicating accurately what your situation is. So expensive is another example of that. So expensive is very relative, right? It depends on what you have, where your family is, what you've decided to prioritize in your life depends on, you know, what you need at that moment. So if you're in the middle of a blizzard and someone's selling you a $200 toque, it's not expensive. It's a necessity. You need that. Like it might still be expensive, but you still need it. And the, your, mm-hmm. your calculus on whether to buy it or not is going to change. So it's really trying to be intentional and it's challenging, especially in the moment. So, you know, if your child's in the middle of a meltdown in the store, you're not going to say, you know, we can't you know, we can't afford, we, we can't prioritize that expenditure right now. That's not something you would say to a child in general. And you definitely <laughs> don't want to say it to a child when they're having a meltdown in the store. But it does mean, you know, in a more calm time, you could say, here's how we spend our money. What we're talking about here is prioritizing. But again, use child appropriate language. Here are all the things we need to spend our money on. I need to pay for, you know, a subway pass. I need to pay for our phones, all these things. And when we have spent all our money on those things and we have some left over, you know, we've saved some for our vacation. We have saved some for your education. We've spent all our money on these things. If we have money left over, we can buy that thing. Or you can say, you know, we spend our money on these things specifically for you. Let's say it's a toy on your birthday and it's a priority at that time of our lives. So it's really, again, it's finding the appropriate language and the right timing, of course, to talk about how you budget, how you spend, how you prioritize. It's those needs versus wants conversations. And it's all about using, like I said, very intentional language, because like we mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, you know, the the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell our children are what they will use to kind of manage their actions. So if they go around thinking that, you know, if I don't buy it, it's expensive, that will change how they act. It will, it will reflect on how they move about the world. So again, expensive, can't afford it. These are all terms that we just need to be very mindful of when we use. And if, you know, if you truly can't afford something, there's nothing wrong with saying that, but just make sure that it's, it's, it's a true statement because it can be very confusing for a child who you say, I can't afford this thing. And then you go and buy something for yourself a moment later. It's like, well, you can't afford it for me or you can't like, what does that mean? Like, where am I on the priority list of getting things in this family? So it's really trying to like I said, be intentional and let them know what's happening with the money in the family because they're part of the family and they they need to understand what's happening. Okay, I love what you said about being intentional. Oh, it's so true. One of the lessons that I learned was you break it, you buy it. I didn't even really realize <laughs> I was saying it to my, and I was saying it like you break it, you buy it. <laughs> like he had dropped a Christmas light on the driveway mm. And I was like, whoa, like people can like put a hole in my tires. And sure. he was like, we need to start the business back up because I need to replace mom's tires. Like, oh, goodness. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and like that amount of money of like tires just felt like so big and heavy for him. And I was like, no, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> the breaking you buy it thing was my big was a big learning for me, which yeah, we all have. But. Okay. I love this. I love that the book also supports us in our own money issues. It's not a book, like if anyone's wondering, it's not like handed over to your kid's book. It is like a tool for you 
to feel more confident in being like that guide for your kids. But you did say that you have some teenagers and things like that that are are reading it themselves, right? Yeah, so it was definitely written for parents. I wanted to, like I said, I wanted to support parents so that they felt comfortable talking to their children so that they felt comfortable managing their own finances, to be honest, and just give them that that resource that's, you know, I didn't want it to be like a, a dictionary type book. I wanted it to be something that was easy to read, had some relatable stories. I hope they're relatable. They're my stories, but I, I hope they're very relatable to the people reading them. But an easy to read book that would give some tools and resources to help you manage your finances and give you the language and hopefully the skills to talk to your children about it. But like you said, I have been noticing that some teenagers have been, you know, kind of gravitating to it as well. It's written, like I said, in an easy to read way. So, and it's written about my life as a child all the way up until me as a, an adult. So it feels like it is resonating with a lot of different ages, but it was meant for the parent and it was meant for you to kind of, like I said, get those those skills, find the language, the appropriate you know words to say, and just understanding the different the different skills a little bit better so that you could hopefully, you know, like I said, feel more comfortable, feel more confident, let go of any guilt or any shame that you might have might be feeling like I said when I was pretty debt riddled I was I had a lot of a lot of shame a lot of guilt and I really I don't want anyone else to have that there's no reason for that so that was like I said part of the reason I wrote the book and I hope that's the way that the book will be received as you know a way to put some of that away and then you know move forward with the knowledge and skills to put yourself in a better position going forward amazing okay I want to make sure you tell everybody where they can follow you online and where they can get the book from Sure. So you could follow me at, at your kids, their money on Instagram. The book is available where most places, uh, where most places books are found. So audible, it's also available on, you know, for Kindle and the paperback is also available on Amazon. If you're in the Toronto area, you can go to old school in the East end and you could also go to a different book list on the West end. Amazing. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to finish the book. I'm going to make sure I keep in touch with you and tell you about all the wins I'm having with these kids. And yes, thank please. you again so much. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for just this podcast. I love, I love the concept behind it. I feel like, like I mentioned earlier, like parents have no extra time. It's not something parents have the luxury of having. So finding ways to simplify our lives while still enriching our lives is an amazing, amazing thing. So thank you so much for this podcast and thank you for having me on. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Embrace Simplified, the podcast. I hope you picked up some inspiration today and that you take action to feel your best. Can you guys do me a solid? If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. It helps more people find the podcast. If you know someone who needs to hear this episode, shoot them a text right now and share it. I love getting those notes from friends. And I also love seeing where you're listening from. So please keep tagging us online at Embrace Simplified. Don't forget to subscribe so you can catch new episodes as they drop. Until next time, I'm your host, Kirsty. Remember, you have it in you to simplify your life. <laughs>